anything else, brother. Um, I'm still going to be out of tune, so do what you feel good to do, because I'm going to probably have to miss clap a couple times. Um, so, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. We've been going through 1 Corinthians for quite a while now, and we've been trying to understand what Paul's talking about to the church. He's been teaching the young church a lot of stuff. And so, I'm going to talk to you this morning about changed people and how we love the church. And I think that that seems like um, a title that maybe people are saying, well, yeah, Pastor Scott, that's certainly what usually happens. Changed people who are changed by Jesus Christ love the church, or at least that's what's supposed to happen, right? So the only reason I was thinking this was because a couple of weeks ago, I was remembering back to when uh, blogging was so popular. Do you all remember that stuff online where the blogosphere, you all know what I'm talking about. It's like an online diary where people just put down their thoughts. And so I remember in the early 2000s, that was kind of a big thing. And if you had a blog and you were a pastor, well, if everybody hit your blog, that meant you were really something. That meant that you were a popular pastor. And so Everybody would be writing along with the blogs and everything, and one of the main themes in those blogs would be along the lines of pastors trying to somehow disconnect themselves from the church, right? And what I'm saying when I say this is that they're trying to disconnect themselves from um, the church, maybe the, the ugly side of church that we're all familiar with, where sometimes people hurt each other, sometimes there's legalism, all of these types of things that take place. And so being a pastor myself, I thought, well, that's probably something that's a good topic because every one of us can relate to having a, a moment where maybe we've been hurt by somebody inside the church, right? I mean, we've all have these stories, and the stories just go on and go on and go on. And so I thought, well, I'm going to speak to this as well, and I would start typing and I would write these blogs, and I would say, here are some problems with the church. We need to fix this, all this. In fact, when I was at Southern Wesleyan, I would almost say that there were students, and probably I might have been one of them, where we were majoring in pointing out what all the problems with church are. And so the reason I say this to you is because there came a point where I was blogging a little bit, and I remember thinking, I'm, it feels like I'm really running the church down. Has anybody ever thought about that? I mean, I'm just really putting the church down. In fact, I was thinking to myself, if I was somebody who was disconnected from Jesus Christ and I was to come across this blog of mine, would this really attract somebody to coming to church? And I said, I don't think it would. And so, you remember what I said when I came to Jesus Christ, one of the reasons I came to Jesus Christ was because I read his blog, right? I read the word of God and I saw in that word that people love each other and that things go well among God's people. And so when I was looking at it, I thought, well, I need to really reconsider how I'm talking about the church as a whole because I'm not denying that church has problems. I'm not certainly going to say that church people are perfect. In fact, have we seen a slogan like that? Uh, where uh, We're a church for imperfect people. We've seen those slogans. There's always these mission statements. Well, of course we are. 
but we're an imperfect people trying to become better, right? We're, we're not going to stay where we're at. We're not going to like bask in us remaining imperfect forever. We're saying that we recognize that we need to become more like Jesus Christ, so we're going to recognize that and say, yes, in that sense, we are imperfect, but we're striving towards becoming better. So I was thinking about this. I thought to myself, well, you know, one of the problems is uh, that if people are always running the church down, uh, this, why is that a problem? Well, for one thing, remember what we learned in our passages for 1 Corinthians. We've been looking at them, and what we've seen is that Paul said that when we come together, we are the literal body of Jesus Christ. Let's hang on to that thought for a second. Because, I mean, don't we know a lot of Christians who say, I love Jesus, I just don't love his people. Have you ever heard that? I love Jesus, but church just isn't really for me. I don't care much for church. Yet when Paul is teaching the young Corinthian church what we've seen, what we've seen through our study, he has said that when we come together, we become the literal body of Christ. You know, when I was, uh, first got married some, some time ago, I guess it meant, what, we've been married about five years? It just feels like five years, right? Um, but anyway, she's not laughing. She never does. I mean, you all get me, but she doesn't. I don't understand. So um, we've been married for a while. When I first got married, I remember sometimes people would come up to me, and, and, and I'm married. You got to hear what I'm saying. I'm, I'm literally married to my wife, right? And they would say, well, um, I just don't get along with your wife, but I have no problem with you. Well, now you do, right? I mean, because it, 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 seriously, I mean, have you, ever, have you ever talked to people like that where they're saying, well, you know, I like this, I like him, but I don't like her, or I like her, but I don't like him. Have you ever been around people like that or you've lost friends because sometimes they would say, well, you know, maybe in Debbie's case, well, your husband's obnoxious. Well, she may agree with you, but you can't say that, right? So these are things that become a problem. Well, the church is the bride of Christ, right? So, well, look, I'm, this is what I'm speaking to this morning. If we're changed by Jesus Christ, we love the church, Right? So that tells me that if I'm running the church down on a regular basis, and I'm saying that this is wrong, this is wrong, and I don't attend church because I don't love God's people, let me tell you something. You don't love God. It's it's time people start saying this stuff. Because you better believe that if I'm smart enough to have a problem with somebody who says they like me but doesn't like my wife, right? Do you think maybe Jesus feels that way too? When you get to heaven, who do you think you're going to be in heaven with? The church. The real church. Right? Now, I don't deny that there are going to be people who attend church all their lives, may miss heaven. I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher, (laughs) y'all. I know you're probably thinking, oh, here we go. That's not what I'm doing here. We're trying to learn from what 1 Corinthians is teaching us. So changed people actually change inside, and they change inside out, and 
So one of the indicators of being changed means that I love God's people because God loves his people, right? He gave his life for his people. God loves his people. So what I wanna do is I wanna read chapter 13 and actually the last verse of chapter 12. Um, actually, I'm gonna just scrub that because I don't know where that break is. My Bible, I can't see it real well. Oh yeah, it's verse 31. And so what we've been doing as we've been looking all through here, we've been saying there's been a couple themes that jumped out to us. Remember the one theme when Paul is uh, basically talking about the report that he received from some people who came to him and attended the church in Corinth. He said, look, there's a lot of problems. Y'all are divided. You all are jealous of each other. Some of you are saying that you follow me. Some of you say you follow Apollos and all this other stuff. And some say Jesus and some say Peter. There's a problem going on within the church. And he says, and in fact, I even heard that some of you are actually taking each other to court. You remember that? So the theme was, why not just rather be wronged for the sake of Jesus Christ, right? So here's the thing. I know we American Christians, I've been saying this, we think that we have all of these rights that we can't be wronged by people, and especially by people who may wrong us within the church, right? We say we gotta have um, some sort of restitution when that happens. There has to be something done about us being wronged. But Paul says, look, why not rather be wronged for Jesus' sake, right? Then we picked up on when he started answering some questions. You remember I said they wrote a letter and they were asking questions and Paul was talking about the spiritual gifts. There were several who had these spiritual gifts and I didn't get a chance to really break these down. But you can imagine somebody speaking in tongues it looked pretty impressive. They thought they were very spiritual, all of these things, and probably it was a great attention getter, and people would say, look at how holy these people are, right? So that would be something that might make somebody jealous because if I don't have the gift of tongues, then I'm going to say, well, why not me? And then I'm gonna be mad at the person that does have it, right? So all of this stuff was going on, Then Paul says, no one should seek their own good but the good of others. So there's another theme. So what Paul was saying is, quit thinking selfishly about yourself and start thinking more about the people that you're going to church with. That's what you do. The people that you're doing life with. Always put others before you put yourself. If you'll do this, this will be a good thing. And so then we got into spiritual gifts last week. We learned that all of the spiritual gifts that we have are given for one purpose, and the purpose is to bring people to, into the body of Jesus Christ. Let me just say it like this, to bring people into the local church body of Jesus Christ. This is why you and I have spiritual gifts. It's not because it shows that we are super spiritual. It's not because it demonstrates that we have a closer connection with God. What it is is God is using us and no one person's going to have it all because that one person who has it all is Jesus Christ himself, right? So this is where we find ourselves. So we have all of this to unpack, and now we're gonna take a look at changed people who love the church, and then Paul brings us to what I'm saying is the most important piece of this entire book, almost the pinnacle of this book, and it's the love chapter. And let me just say, now you have the context because Paul is arguing all the way through about the relationship of Christians with each other, right? So this is the context. Let's try to hear it anew and not the way you've always heard it. 
So let me read the last verse of chapter 12, and I'm going to read the whole chapter to you of 13. It says this. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. The best way, right? Let's look at it. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So this is quite a thing that Paul's written. This is a lot more than a Hallmark card, wouldn't you agree? Because this isn't just about me learning how to love my wife or love my children, right? This is something much greater, and so we're going to unpack it. First thing I want you to see, changed people love the church because love is everything. Love is everything. So Paul's got this right between chapter 12 and chapter 14 talking about spiritual gifts, right? And so remember what was going on. The Corinthian church is saying, I don't have the gift of tongues. Boy, I wish I had the gift of tongues I've got to figure out how to have the gift of tongues when maybe they had the gift of prayer, right? Maybe they had the gift of prayer, but they were ignoring that gift. They wanted the gift of tongues because what they were doing is they were kind of self-seeking a little bit, right? They were saying, these are the things I need to add to my repertoire, if you will. I need to add these things to what I'm able to do. But Paul is saying that all of those things, those are great but if you want to have everything, then you must have love in your heart. Now, this is a kind of love that isn't um, something where we're talking about boyfriend and girlfriend stuff. This is a love where I love people, especially the people of Jesus Christ. It's what we call agape, right? It's, this is what we call, you all know that word. You've heard it a million times. But this love is everything. It's interesting because sometimes when I do Bible studies, I'll tell people on a regular basis, um, you all know that Southern Wesleyan is able to train me in such a way 
that I can actually get up here without being spirit-led. I know this sounds crazy, but I could preach to you without being spirit-led. Did you all know that? This is why I tell you, you must read the Bible yourselves. You must have your own relationship with Jesus Christ yourself, right? So I can do this, and that means it goes along with what Paul is saying because I'm taking the gift of prophecy as those who speak and preach on behalf of Jesus Christ. I'm saying that what Paul just said, if I have the gift of prophecy and I, can eat, and I have the language of angels or whatever else, or if I give my body to the flames, if I do all of these things so that I may boast, he says, if I do not have love, I have nothing. You know, if we unpack that a little bit more, you know what that means is that if I don't have a changed heart by Jesus Christ, that means it is possible that I or anyone else I could preach, I could have the vocation of being a preacher for 30 or 40 years, but if my heart isn't changed, I'm just going to assume I might miss heaven. I mean, if I don't have a love for the church, if God's people disgust me, isn't that what we hear sometimes? We hear this from people. If I'm able to quote verses and yet I don't want anything to do with God's people, it's because I don't have love in my heart for Jesus and my neighbors. You heard what Paul said. If you don't have that love, you gain nothing. Don't we always hear some people who will say, well, you know, when we get to heaven, we'll be perfected, right? We'll we'll have it all down then. Why would Paul be saying this? I mean, he's talking to this young church that's sitting there backbiting each other. He's talking to this young church that not only are they backbiting each other, but they're jealous of each other. There's, there's dissensions within that church, and Paul is saying, he's saying, look, you have nothing if this is the way it is, because if you love each other, think about it with me. It just goes away. I mean, you got to ask yourself at some point, if the church of Jesus Christ in America was seriously taking, I guess serious, I'll say it again, this passage where Paul is saying, if you don't have love, you have nothing, if we were buying that steel, then that would mean that the world that's way out of control right now would be able to look at the church of Jesus Christ, at least here in America, and say, oh, we've got to quit living the way we're doing because the way those people are living, it works. It works. I go back to that Deuteronomy 4 thing again, don't I? Y'all see that, right? The people, the other people see Israelites coming into the promised land and they're like, wow, what other group of people has their God so near them? What other group of people has laws like what they have where they value each other. That's what the church is supposed to be. If you don't have love for the church this morning, you may not have everything you need. Let's look at the next thing I want you to see. Changed people love the church because love doesn't quit. (laughs) Did you hear what Paul said? This is the hallmark moment. Paul, if he could have just 
captured that money, right? If he could have had that money, the royalties from all those Hallmark cards that are written about this verse, you know, we just think, oh, love is just something wonderful. But we never really understand if love is something that we can actually obtain. Well, we can't without Jesus Christ. That's the truth. I can tell you that. I mean, I I tried without Jesus for a number of years, and I can tell you until Jesus came into my heart, there was no way for me to really learn how to love people the right way. I knew how to love myself, but I didn't know how to love others. And so if I'm a changed person, if I'm being transformed by Jesus, this means that I am able to be a part of the body of Christ. And, you know, I've said this before. I think Steve Deneff came up with this. The church is like a big washing machine, right? We're the dirty clothes. You throw us into the washing machine, and then the Holy Spirit's like the detergent, right? And so you put it in the, uh, the washing machine, and then we start going through the cycle together. And all that's happening is the dirty clothes, with the aid of the detergent, is they're just banging into each other, knocking the dirt off, Uh, We're becoming clean together. So this is what's happening. I am learning to love, right, because I'm trying to, I'm being transformed by Jesus Christ. I'm saying that love is everything. So as I'm going to church with people, which I've said earlier, don't we all have a story where somebody has thrown us all under the bus at one time, and it was usually somebody that we were shocked because we thought they were really tight with Jesus Christ, right? But people are people, right? And we're not perfect yet, right? So here's the problem. But if I don't have this love in my heart that Jesus has, I'm not going to be able to forgive them. You see what Paul's doing? The context matters. Corinthian church, if you're going to make it, You're only going to make it, not just because of the spiritual gifts, but because you have love in your hearts for each other. This is what's going to help you to make it in the world that you live in. This love that you have, this love that Jesus gives you that always hopes and always perseveres and does not quit. If you can have this with each other, all of the divisions that you have will somehow miraculously just vanish. All of these things that you're upset about, that people do wrong, you will no longer hold it against them because then you're going to be someone because of the drive that Jesus gave you that he enabled you with, which is this love, you can honestly let it go. You can let it go. And you, if you let it go, guess what he says? Love always protects. What does love protect? Well, when I was young in the Lord, I thought, well, if somebody says something about my wife, I'll go out in the middle of the street and throw down with them. That's not what he's talking about, is it? I, I just thought, well, that just means I'm the man of the house. I got I to gotta take care of my family. No, that's not what he's talking about. Love always protects the church. Do you know why? Because we always rejoice in the truth. We don't rejoice in evil which means that I'm not connected to evil, or I'm not supposed to be. Remember the idol feasts that Paul was talking about? Look, if you're taking part in the idol feasts, it's really showing that you're still connected to evil. 
But if you take part of the feast where we're taking part in the Lord's Supper, that's demonstrating that you're connected to Christ. Remember that? But if I'm not loving the way that I'm supposed to, if I'm giving up on my brothers and sisters in Christ, then I have a problem. Now, don't be fooled. This love doesn't mean that because Paul says that, that if somebody sins against you or sins against the Lord, that you just always let it go because now understand, we're not always just gonna let it go because there does have to come a time if somebody's done something, they have to understand they've done something because that's a form of love too because if I continue to ignore what they do, guess what they're gonna keep doing? Because we are our brothers and sisters keepers, aren't we? But we continue to love. We continue to understand. We continue to hope. The idea would be that whatever you do to me, it's okay because if I have love for you like I have my children, my children put me through the ringer once in a while, but I always let it go. Why? Because I love them, right? They're going to get away with it with me. I always have hope. But remember what Jesus said? He said to the Pharisees and all that were listening, he says, look, if you just love your family, what more have you done that's different than, another, than just an everyday pagan? Remember him saying that? Sermon on the Mount? This love that you're supposed to have is supposed to be something that's transforming you, that is helping to maintain these relationships that you have. Let's look at the last thing I want you to see. Changed people love the church because love remains with us forever. Now, I'm just gonna go ahead and throw this out there free of charge. I'm just gonna say, now, listen to me when I say this. I suspect that the reason we don't see miracles anymore is because we don't have love in our hearts like we're supposed to have. I really, do. I mean, I mean, when, if, you're, if, if we're people who are disobedient to the Lord, he's not going to do what we ask him to do. You all understand that, right? So there's a doctrine that's been out there. I remember when that book came out, Heaven is for Real? It's called Cessationalism where they say these miracles don't happen anymore, but you read what I just read with me, and what you should have picked up on is Paul is talking about the kingdom of God is inbreaking into the world right now through the church. It's not fully here. It will be fully here when Jesus returns. This is basically an end times passage, because remember, he said, you know what? You have to always be in the back of your mind that the day of the Lord is coming. He kept bringing that up in 1 Corinthians as we studied through this. And so what he's saying is, you only know in part right now, you only see in part, but when Jesus is here and everything is consummated, in other words, when he's fully here, everything will be known. Everything will be known. Just as you have, uh, you've caught glimpses of it, you've, you've seen it in the body of Christ through all of the different gifts you've and manifestations, you've caught glimpses of who Jesus is, but when he comes back, he will be fully known. This is what he's talking about. So what he's saying then is that there's these, all these gifts, all these things that we see, all this gift of prophecy or the gifts of tongues, all this stuff, it isn't gonna be needed when Jesus returns, right? Are you all with me so far? Because Jesus will be here. But what he is saying is, 
there's something that you're going to take into the eternal life with you. That's the heart that's supposed to be changing now. Your love for God and his people. You see, when Jesus Christ comes back, these people that don't like the church, which Jesus says, that is the world. Do you remember that? (laughs) I can hear people turning off the internet right now. But it's true. The people who are going to do life with Jesus Christ eternally are going to be those who allowed him to change and transform their hearts now. We are literally practicing to live with each other forever and ever. We're learning to live with Jesus Christ as our king. We're learning to live with each other right now. I always scratch my head because when I hear somebody say, I don't go to church because of those people. Who do you think you're going to heaven with? If you can't stand God's people now, you're certainly not going to stand them then. If God's kingdom's in breaking through the church right now, it's because of the work of Jesus Christ that's being done inside of each one of us That means he's molding and shaping us into the people we're going to become for eternity right now. (laughs) It really helps a lot when we read stuff in context. All through this, Paul's been telling the young church, remember what I said? A couple weeks ago, I said they all thought Jesus was going to return in the next few weeks because it was so crazy. Well, we're 2,000 years the other side of it now. But the tension is still there. Jesus is going to return. The church is what he is coming for. I've often said, I'm going to get off this, but I've often said, if you were to read the book of Revelation, for instance, You know that the world, and in the book of John as well, you know that the world hates Jesus and it hates us too because of Jesus. For the world to hate Christians, how is the world ever going to know you're a Christian if you don't stand up and be seen with Christians? Has anybody ever thought about that? If I go hide out from the world and I'm not willing to be seen with Christians, It may be because I'm more concerned and more connected to the world than I am Jesus Christ. Some of you might be thinking that I'm being too harsh right now, and that very well may be. I'm going to tell you something. I hope that I'm wrong, because if I'm wrong, that means more people are going to find themselves in heaven. Because remember what I said, it is possible for me to spend an entire career teaching and preaching the word of God to you, but if I don't have love in my heart for you and others, I only love myself, that spells doom for me. Y'all understand what I'm saying? If I don't have that love, if I'm not being changed inside out, 
If the Lord isn't changing me, I'm not saying I'm going to be perfect, don't misunderstand, but if the Lord is not changing me and I'm not allowing him to change me, I'm only loving myself, then I have a problem. If that's you this morning, I'm going to invite you to read it for yourself. You read it for yourself because here's the thing. When I stand before Jesus Christ, none of you is going to be able to help me. Right? My account will be given and that's the way it's going to be transacted. You can't help me. My opportunity was right now. If you're someone that says, well, pastor, you know, sometimes you just got to quit loving people. Have you ever seen those memes? And sometimes they'll act like those are Christian memes. Sometimes you just got to get away from toxic people. Thank God Jesus Christ didn't do that. Because I'm the most toxic of them all. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That would mean that it's okay to quit loving some people and not be concerned about them anymore. Nowhere in Scripture do I see that, and it's summed up perfectly right here. Love does not quit. It perseveres. If you aren't loving people with all that you have, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to ask Jesus to help you to be that person. You have to. If you're somebody that thinks, um, you know, hey, pastor, I, I don't know. Um, I don't think that we're going to have to worry about heaven because when Jesus comes back, you know, we're all going to be okay. Can I tell you something? Love doesn't necessarily work without free will. I'm probably, the Lord's probably, I'm telling you, I'm probably opening up a can right here. Can we just think through a little bit reasonably for a second? If what I've said is true, if everything is happening right now, the Lord's preparing me for heaven right now. If I'm being changed and I'm being loving, certainly that means I'm doing it because I want to, not only because he's making me. Y'all understand what I'm saying? He certainly, because I want him to change me, he is changing me. But that's the way that he's going to experience love from me. I have to freely want to love him back. If he forces me to love him back, then is he really getting that love from me? If Debbie has no choice in loving me, and I say, you're just going to love me, woman, well, how happy is she, right? How happy am I that I'm not actually getting the love that I need from her? I'm going to say that there's going to have to be a certain amount of freedom in heaven, and I have better been transformed right now in earth right now. I need to be allowing the Lord to change me right now because I'm going to have to be able to freely love God and you all when we're in heaven for eternity. There's not going to be a magic button that God presses and says, you're locked. I'm not saying you're going to fall out of heaven. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not going that far. But what I'm saying is, you're certainly going to have to love people freely and love Jesus freely for love to really exist in heaven. If you're not seeing that, then I want you to know something. There's a moment that you can seriously understand that when we pray, you ask the Lord to help you. Ask him, Lord, let me love like you do. 
I'm just going to tell you, he's going to let you. But the way that he does it, he will probably put you with somebody that annoys you. Right? Don't you all come around me this week and say, I'm, I'm trying to learn love, Pastor Scott, because then I'm going to know that I annoy you. That's not it. But he's going to do that because this is where you're going to learn. Remember Hondo, John Wayne? Does anybody remember him? That kid didn't know how to swim? <laughs> what did he do? Picked him up, threw him in the creek. He learned how to swim, didn't he? I think that's the way he does it sometimes. But if you're not loving the right way this morning, you need to let the Holy Spirit change you. You need to be allowing this to happen. You need to spend time in prayer letting this happen. You know what I think is going to happen? If the church would rediscover this in context and understand what God's trying to do, if we could understand that this love is the most, should be the most sought after gift of them all, right? If we could pursue that, I honestly believe people would come to church. Not out of fear of going to hell, but out of fear of missing out on a life of goodness. I mean, last thing I'll say, and then we'll pray. How many times I've listened to a preacher at the end of his message and say, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. Have you ever heard that? That didn't work with me. I didn't care. But when I saw that there's a life that where people could love each other the right way, I didn't want to miss that. People who are really lost aren't afraid of hell, but they desire right love. And if we can demonstrate that, they will come to Jesus Christ. So right now, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, I don't know where you're at. Some of you just might be thinking you don't want to think about this right now. I've been in that situation because you know there's a lot of change that'll take place and sometimes we just don't want to change. I've often said that sometimes God has the stench of death on him because we know that when we come into his presence, we can't be the same. If that's you right now, I'm just telling you, listen to me. Allow him to change you. He's never changed me for the worse. He's always changed me for the better, at least I think so. Don't be afraid of the Lord. He wants to love you. And he wants to love through you, but the right way. If you're not allowing him right now, open your heart and ask him to come into your heart the right way. If you've gotten cold towards people, ask him to help you to love again. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now. We're so grateful for your word. We're thankful for your love for us.
And we're thankful for you being able to enable us to love not just you, but each other because of the love that you put into us, because of the cleansing that takes place in our hearts, Lord. Wash us clean. Wash us all clean, Lord. We want to live like this. Help us. Father, I pray if there's anybody at the sound of my voice that's struggling with these things, I pray the Holy Spirit would just speak to them, Lord, and even persuade them to read the word for themselves. And Lord, that you would take, help us to take this with us into our workplaces and share with others, Lord, in a casual way, just to share your good news of love. We would ask these things in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen.